Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for being the Good Shepherd. And we pray that we'll be able to hear your voice this morning and be able to follow you with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So chapter 10. uh, If you look to verses 3. Verse 3. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all, uh, all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Much of the English countryside is dotted with white sheep against this green uh, pasture. And in my travels, I've been surrounded by sheep on many occasions. And, you know, because I'm young and foolish, I try to capture some of them. But they'll never come to you. They, they are very, they're, they're not the smartest of creatures, but they won't come to you just because you look nice, just because you call them nicely. Uh, they know that, that I was up to no good and they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't approach me, even if I called them, really, with, a, with the most attractive voice um, out there. But the Middle Eastern shepherds were a different story. You know that they're known for their personal devotion to their sheep and the time that they spend with their sheep. They spend 24-7 with the sheep and they got to know their sheep intimately. If you think about it, the land around Israel is dry. There aren't that many pastures, green pastures. And their job was to lead the sheep from one green pasture to another. And it was very important for them to have that little stick because they had to protect the animals from hyenas and lions and bears and whatnot, from the wildlife there because there were no fences around them. As it says in verse 4, the shepherd led them going ahead of them guiding them from one pasture to another. And often, shepherds would call the sheep by their name. They knew them intimately. And they were his. They were his sheep. And he knew them intimately. And having spent so much time with them, the sheep responds. They knew the shepherd's voice. When they were called, they would listen and follow None of the sheep in England would follow me, but because they would never follow a stranger's voice. They don't know their voice. So the sheep knows the shepherd's voice. I think, once again, the question for us then is, do you know your shepherd's voice? Whose voice do you listen to and whose voice do you live by in your daily lives? And last week, in chapter 9, we saw how Jesus opened the eyes of the blind man. And although the Pharisees applied intense pressure upon him, the man refused to listen to the Pharisees because he recognized their voice as voice of false shepherds. But when Jesus asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man immediately saw Jesus. He prostrated and he worshipped him. The lost sheep recognized the shepherd's voice. There was something inside of him that resonated. The voice that he had heard calling him time after time. He finally recognized it as Jesus's. He saw Jesus, he fell down and he worshipped him. 
My sheep listen to my voice. And if seeing really is the theme in chapter 9, I am the light of the world, and seeing was the theme in chapter 9, then uh, listening really is the theme in chapter 10. It runs throughout the chapter. It's repeated again and again. We heard this in verse 3. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And he repeats this again in verse 16, if you go down, that the sheep outside of the pen the pen of Israel, will also recognize Jesus' voice. They will listen to his voice. And this is outside of our reading, but if you look over to verse 25, there we see it again. Jesus says these harsh words to the unbelieving Jews. He says, I I tell you that I was the Messiah, but you do not believe. The miracle I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe. Because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus calls his sheep by name. Do we hear his voice? Do you listen to his voice? And the fact that you're here, you may be able to just say, yes, of course I listen to Jesus' voice. After all, I mean, you're here. And there are millions of other things to do on Sunday morning. But, if I ask the question a bit differently, maybe you'll examine your life a bit more closely. Whose voice do you live by? Whose words do you live by? And if you say Jesus's, then do you follow him? Now, I'm, so, I'm sorry to tell you this, but once again, following Jesus is difficult. I want to say it again and again. Following Jesus is a difficult thing. It must be, for the world's value is so different from the value that Jesus holds so dear in his heart. Before coming to Shatin Church, I preached a sermon in my own church uh, back in Washington, D.C. And I, ta- I mentioned how we should expect persecution, suffering. And one person came up to me afterwards and said, well, that happened 2,000 years ago, didn't it? Because, you know, the world was really against Christians. But the world's different now in America. I mean, people, people love it when you're a Christian. There's actually some truth there. The time has changed. But the world remains strongly against Christians and against Jesus in many, many ways. And it's true that um, confessing Jesus as our Lord with our lips is easy, as it, has, as it has always been. But actually, following Jesus with our lives is a difficult business. It has enormous consequences. If you're a businessman and if you're a Christian, you know the difficulties, don't you? I know how difficult it must be to speak the truth all the time, to run a business honestly all the time. It's difficult not to put the profit as the bottom line and run business as Jesus would. And running a business as a Christian means you're not putting profit as the end, but obedience to Jesus in the business as the end. And if you do that, your profit margin will suffer. And if you're a student, there are all kinds of temptations to cheat 
in your schools, isn't there? I mean, all kinds of ways that people pressure to cheat. Everybody's doing it. But also, words for parents as well. Parents, raising your kids with kingdom priorities will have consequences. It might mean that they don't enter the most prestigious universities. It might mean that they don't go to university at all. I'm not saying that going to university and following Jesus are in conflict with one another. I'm not saying that. However, Jesus might call you to do different things, to serve God in a different way, by doing things that are not, quote-unquote, success in this world. Raising your kids with kingdom priorities will have consequences. And it would be very weird if everybody at Shatin Church, everybody in, in Solid Rock, ended up in number one universities in the world. Are you following Jesus as you live your lives, as you run your business, as you live as a student, as you live as parents? My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Does your life reflect the steps of your shepherd? The question whether we follow Jesus or not is, the, is one of the most important questions because it's not a, following Jesus is not a matter of ethics. It's not about what's right and wrong. It's actually a matter of your identity. It betrays who you are. Following Jesus means that you're one of His. That when He called you by name, you listen to His voice. And you're following with your lives. It defines who you are. And I hope you don't, me, you don't hear me saying that good works will get you into heaven. I'm not saying that either. That if I follow, if I follow, that I'm one of Jesus's. That's not true. But by God's grace, if God had opened your eyes, and God has allowed you to see Jesus as your Lord... And we have become one of, one of sheep in his fold. We should know that our identity has now been changed forever. Our priorities have changed forever. Our values have changed forever. We have become his. And Christ has poured out his Holy Spirit upon us so that we can follow him. We can listen and discern his voice and walk in his path. We will struggle to follow Jesus with our lives. I don't know you all that well, but I know that you're sinful. (laughs) You will fall again and again. And Jesus, as we follow him, promises that our sins are forgiven in him, that he has paid the price already. But he also says, you have become his. Your identity has unalterably become, uh, become his. You are his own. And as Christians, we listen to his voice. We follow him. We remind ourselves again and again that our priorities, our values, our lives have been changed. That we walk in the path that Jesus walked. My sheep listen to my voice. It's not a matter of ethics. 
It is a matter of who you are. And secondly, the voice, the false, the temptations of the false shepherds. Perhaps it's become difficult to recognize Christ's voice with all the competing voices in this world. There are too many voices that all claim to be good. They all claim to follow Jesus. But Jesus warns us again of the dangers of the false shepherds in the midst. And this is a perfect time for it, really, in chapter 10, because um, the feast of dedication is at hand. So one verse after our verse, verse 22, says, Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem. Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses different events and different occasions to teach people about himself. So if you look back to chapter 6, I am the bread of life. That was in the backdrops of Passover, wasn't it? Passover where you remember God's salvation, God's deliverance of Israel out of Egypt into the desert. And there, God fed people with manna. And in chapter 6, God feeds, feed, Jesus feeds his people uh, with, with two fish and five loaves of bread. I am the bread of life, he says. Well, chapter 7 through 9 actually happens under the Feast of uh, uh, the Tabernacle. And, and remember, God guided uh, Israel with the, the, the pillar of fire and, 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 and the cloud is, uh, at night. And, uh, the, the other way around. <laughs> but under the Feast of Tabernacle, the, uh, uh, the temple, in the temple, they lit a huge fire. And actually, it's against the backdrops of that fire, Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world. And in chapter 10, we have another feast, Feast of Dedication. You might not have heard of much of Feast of Dedication, but maybe you have heard of Hanukkah. Hanukkah uh, happens around Christmas time. And during this season, Israel recalled the failed leadership of the temple in the past. Um, and 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 uh, the, the the rejection of those uh, the false shepherds and the re- reinstallment of good shepherd. So before Israel was handed over to the Romans, it was under the influence of the Gre- uh, in, uh, under influence of Greece. And at one, at one point, a terrible ruler named Antiochus Epiphany IV ruled over Israel. He was such a fan of Greece, he forced forced Israel to Hellenize. And he orders soldiers, for example, to desecrate the temple by sacrificing a pig upon the altar of the temple. He outlawed things like uh, circumcision. He burned scrolls and erected idols within the temple. And during this time, rose a few power-hungry Jews like Jason and Menelaus, who became actually high priests. They were Jews who became high priests in Israel. And they fought and bribed their way up there. And to maintain their power, for example, Menelaus seized, stole temple goods and, and gave it as a bribe. And in exchange of their positions of power, they conspired with the Greeks to really make Israel more like Greece. To Hellenize them. 
So in 165, the Maccabees revolt happened, and its first leader was Judas Maccabees, and he captured Jerusalem and the temple, and he dedicated it back to God. And that's where the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, comes from. Hanukkah just means dedication in Hebrew. So it is at this time of celebration of the Good Shepherd, and also the banishment of false shepherds, Jesus warns once again the need of the need to watch out for false shepherds. In many ways, the false shepherds of the past were easy to recognize. And he says, well, you didn't listen to them. You recognize their voice as false. But actually, this day is not all that different, Jesus says. You have to recognize the voices of the false shepherd and the voice of the good shepherd. So look down to verse 7. It says, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And later on, verse 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says he is the gate. All who climb over the fence are robbers and thieves, but the leaders must go through Christ. Only those who are approved by Christ can rule and lead Israel. And Jesus implies that the Pharisees of the day and Jewish leaders of the day are thieves and robbers. They come illegitimately to steal and kill and destroy. And the chief indication of their usurped and illegitimate power is the, their, their failure to recognize the gate, the Jesus, Jesus Christ. It shows that they don't seek to give life to the, to the sheep because they do not recognize the person who can give life and life to the fullness. And unlike the true shepherd who feeds the sheep, these false shepherds, of Israel was want, want to feast on the sheep. They reject Christ because they main, they want to maintain their positions of power by turning away from him. Well, thieves and robbers have always been there in the times of the Old Testament, um, at the intertestamental period, the time of Jesus, but they also are here today. And as Jesus is the true shepherd, the mark of a legitimate under-shepherd is his fidelity to Jesus, one who enters through him. And someone, whenever someone makes a claim on the sheep, when a new voice emerges over the horizon, the first question you must ask yourselves is whether his voice echoes the voice of Jesus we know in Scripture. Do their words and action cohere to the work and witness of Christ? Do I recognize the voice of Jesus in his voice, in this under-shepherd? But this doesn't just apply to the religious leaders, right? There are many voices that compete for your attention, compete to lead you to the greener path. There are many voices that promise the only thing, I mean, the thing that only Jesus can give you, life and fullness of life. Just think about all the adverts that you've seen and heard on TV, radio, on poster boards, and what they promise. Don't they promise life and life to the fullness? 
Philip Jensen, the Archbishop of Sydney, I think has a very good list of the voices of this age. He says, there are voices of the materialists who say, if you have the latest gadget, latest fashion, the most sparkly jewelry, the biggest car and houses, then you'll be satisfied. Well, these voices come only to steal and to kill and destroy. They promise things they cannot deliver. At the end of the day, I think, what you become is a lonely man, lonely woman, who has a lot of things. There are also hedonists who say that true nourishment is in the pursuit of pleasure. For example, pornography industry, which is the biggest industry on the internet, promised pleasure, but really at the end of the day, oh, they only delivered bondage. Drug dealers promise transcendence, but only produce dependence and this downward, downward spiral into desire for more. I think this was very astute. Media, media and its celebrity culture portrays fame as the ideal of life. But what they fail to tell you is the emptiness of fame. The broken lives of stars who go from one divorce after another. One pleasure after another, seeking life that satisfies. They don't tell you that, do they? And I'm not saying that the voices of the world have nothing good to say. I'm not saying that. God had, has made um, the world, uh, us in, in God's image. And God, there's goodness of, uh, in, in this world still. However, whenever you hear these voices, you must ask yourselves again and again, Does this resonate with the voice of Christ? Does this tell me what Christ uh, tells me? Do you hear the voice of Christ in them? And in many ways, I think the most damaging of these false shepherds are religious leaders. And Christian leaders aren't exempt. There are hundreds of false shepherds out there who want to, who's really out there for their own glory rather than the nourishment of their flock. They want their own fame and glory, and many times at the cost of the well-being of the sheep, of the flock. And this is my third week here, and I want to ask you to examine me and hold me accountable in my time. You want to always ask yourselves, as I preach and as I do things, and as the leaders of the church do things here at Shatin Church, Does this resonate with the voice of Jesus Christ in the Bible? Do the words and life of the leaders of this church point to Christ? And you don't ask this question just once at the beginning of my uh, my, my, uh, uh, tenure here, but throughout my stay, throughout the life of the church. And for me to be the right under-shepherd, I must go through the gate of Christ and point to Him Whose voice do you listen to? Whose voice do you follow? False shepherds only to come to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come so that we may have life and have it to the full. Well, if you look to verse 10, look to verse 10. He says there that he's come to give us life and life abundantly. Life abundant as it says in King James Version. But it's not a coincidence that verse 11 follows verse 10. Verse 11 
says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In order for us to have life and life to the fullness, Jesus has to lay down his life for us. He lays down his life for us as the sacrifice of atonement for our sins so that we could have life, fullness in him. Leadership, whether in political life, industry, business or community, church life, follows only one of these two routes. Either it's directed to the self-interest of the leader or it's directed to the good of those who follow them. But Jesus isn't one among many good shepherds. He's saying that he's the good shepherd. And in order to understand um, this fully, we have to turn to Ezekiel 34. Because this passage seems to be on Jesus' mind. But also Ezekiel 34 was part of the liturgy of Hanukkah, of the Feast of Dedication. So if you can turn to, if you can find Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel is after Lamentations and before Daniel. So Ezekiel 34. Verses 2 through 16. Ezekiel 34, verses 2 through 16. I'm not going to read all of it, but refer to it and go home and read it by yourselves. But verse 2, there at the latter half. says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherd... Take care of the flock. You eat the curds, you eat the curds, clothe yourselves with wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. Once again, he says what Jesus says, doesn't it? Rather than feeding the sheep, they were feasting on the flock. So then God vows to judge these false shepherds. Look down to verse 10 there. I am against the shepherds and I will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouth and it will no longer be be food for them. God will judge them. And God will rescue the flock. But the prophecy doesn't end in judgment or even the rescue. But this prophecy ends with God coming down upon earth. So look to verse 15. It says, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. After getting rid of the shepherd, God promises to come down himself. And that's what Jesus is saying. 2,000 years ago, the shepherd came. He's not one of the many good shepherds. Not one among many. He is the shepherd, he speaks with authority, authority. I am the good shepherd. And if you look over to verse 30, that, that astonishing proclamation there. I and the Father are, are one. In chapter 10, verse 30. 
the good shepherd has come. And in contrast to the false shepherds who prey on their flock, he takes care of the sheep to the point of laying down his own life. And you must never mistake Jesus' Jesus's death as an accident or Jesus as a victim. As if Christ could be defeated by forces of evil or the whims of men. It says in verse 18 that no one, no one has the authority to take his life away from him. He only has the authority to lay it down, but then also take it up again. Jesus' death isn't, wasn't a failure. It was a path that he took to lead us to green pastures, to give us life and life to the full. But once again, as it does uh, in Gospel of, John, Gospel of John, again and again, if you look to verse 19, the crowd divides again. And now we're back to Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 19. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? Why listen to him? Personally, I listen to him because in his voice, I recognize the loving voice that has called me again and again throughout my life, from the eternity past. I listen to him because when I follow Jesus, even when I follow Jesus, um, even when following Jesus leads me to difficulty, I trust that there is life and the fullness of life in following Christ. And I listen to him because I recognize that I owe my life to my shepherd who has become the lamb, who has given his life as a sacrifice for me and for my sins. I listen to him because through his death, I have become his. I have received a new identity. I listen to him because by listening to him, um, listening to him is what I do as a sheep in his flock, no matter what the cost is. It's not easy following Christ, but it is filled with life, and Jesus promises life to the fullness. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. In the cacophony of sounds in Hong Kong, I hope you recognize Jesus' voice, and I hope you will follow him. He is the Good Shepherd. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the sacrifice, for the life that you have given so that we may have life and life to the full. Lord, we are sinful and we will stumble to follow you. We thank you once again that you are a gracious God who leads us even as we fall. But Lord, strengthen us strengthen our will help us to get to know you in our minds 
and help us to be steeped in your word and in your presence so that we may always discern your voice and follow you no matter what the cost. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.